epic history. Like the Greeks are like on the beach, they're like doing burpees or something. <laughs> the Persians sail up, and they've got like they've got like little spears and pomegranates and stuff, and they're like, "Hey, want to be part of our cool empire?" In depth commentary, cutting edge expert, drunken analysis. <laughs> two people that you don't know anything about. It's ad hoc history with Asher and Luxa, siblings extraordinaire. Hey, just real quick, like, if you were emperor, would you choose me as second emperor? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Learning. It's not pretty. It's not nice. And if you want to talk about justification for war and all these things, but when you get to how the sausage is actually made, this is it. It's ad hoc history. It's not the history podcast you wanted. It's the history podcast you deserve. XV Planus is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. Welcome to XV Planus. Greetings, friends and fiends, and welcome back to XV Planus. Transmitting from the Black Lodge, as always, I am your host, Flood, and as always, I am very happy to be here to dive further into the weird with you. We're going to pick back up with our coverage of the USS North Carolina in just a moment, but first, a few updates. After tonight, we have only three episodes left of Season 2, which will end with the XV Planus Holiday Special and Year-End Roundup. After that episode airs in mid-December, we will be dark for one month, as I will be traveling for a paranormal road trip over the holidays. There may be an occasional surprise that pops up on the main feed during that time period, but I will not have studio access on this trip, so it will likely be random mini-adventures that I can produce easily from the road. There will be a constant stream of content for our Patreon subscribers, though, so if you're craving more stories of high strangeness until we return full throttle after the break, consider donating to our Patreon. Now, speaking of our Patreon, I am still looking for more participants for our interview series there, Transmissions from the Void, where I interview people from all walks of life who want to share their paranormal experiences. And lastly, for you local weirdos and fans, Alejandro and Candice will be at the Ruby Deluxe in Raleigh this Saturday, November 19th, from noon to 4 p.m., offering divination readings and promoting their magical works through their project Leftover Stardust. Links are provided in the show notes. Go on out and show them some support. Okay, I think that's it for the updates, so let's get into it. Last episode, we walked through the history of the USS North Carolina, courtesy of our special guest, Halsey Hoosier. Tonight, we're going to walk through our own overnight visit to this impressive ship, which was wildly different from some of the other investigations we've done over this last year. When I started writing and recording for this episode, I thought it would be a pretty short one. My recollection of the investigation was that it was active, but not as active as some of the other locations that we've tackled in the last year. Well, upon reviewing the experience with several team members, I realized that I was very, very wrong. So rather than cramming all of this into one massive three-hour episode, I've opted to break it up into two parts, especially since there was a definitive turning point where the activity really kicked off, which will serve as our midway point for this. I've asked Sunny to join me for this installment since she was one of the last people standing at 7am when we packed up our equipment and left, but we will also be hearing from Walker and Meg a little bit later in the show. All right, friends and fiends, at this point, it is my great pleasure to welcome Sunny back into the Black Lodge. Sunny, how you doing? Wonderful. Thank you for joining me tonight. We're one of the last uh, last people standing when we did the USS North Carolina investigation, so bravo to us for sticking out to the bitter end. Too legit to quit. Hey, hey. <laughs> so uh, in the previous episode, we had our esteemed guest, Halsey Hoosier, come and join us to talk about the history of the ship. And now we're going to dive into our investigation of it. Now, before we start doing that, I wanted to take this opportunity to point out that there were two specific points of interest that we had in going into this investigation, other than just experiencing the ship as a whole. And those two points of interest were the location of the torpedo impact, where we lost four soldiers down below decks and one who was washed overboard. And those were Albert Spears Geary, who was the gentleman who got washed overboard. Oscar Colloway Stone, Ingwald Nels Nelson, William Osborne Skelton, and Leonard Edward Pone 
were all killed at the point of impact from the torpedo whenever the chamber is flooded. Chances are they died from either the immediate impact or the incredible pressure of the water just crushing them against the, the steel. And the other, uh, the other point of interest that we had was the location known as the Wishing Well, which next to one of the main mess hall areas, there is a chamber that goes from the bottom deck all the way up to the top, and it was a pulley system for moving uh, ammunition rounds, isn't that right? Correct. Yeah, okay. So this other point of interest, the Wishing Well, is where a sailor named Thurman Thompson died of a skull fracture when struck by a shell handling, uh, which uh, carried away and while being hoisted up, it knocked him from the top deck all the way down to the second platform. Ow. Yeah, really? Yeah, and it's it's a long way down. You can actually, it's it's steel, like a, has a steel grating actually welded over to it now, but you can go and stand over it and look down, and it is, it's a long way down. It is. It was an unpleasant fall, I can imagine. So with those two locations in mind, after we got done with the tour with uh, Halsey, we got set up at the home base area, which was the captain's dining hall on the top deck, right? Yeah. So while we were getting set up there, immediately right off the bat, we started to get some some weird things happen. It was like clicking noises is what it sounded like, almost like a pin click, Mm -hmm. but we couldn't really tell what it was, and it was coming from the back corner is what we determined. Yeah, and, and at that point, like just after unloading everything, we immediately broke out some of the equipment. And didn't we set one of the rim pods down and it started going off? Yeah. And then uh, Megan was using the, the dowsing rods? Yeah, Jill and Meg went out back there and started asking some questions, and the rods were responding. Yeah. We never really got anything else from that uh, that corner for the rest of the night, but it was just uh, it was interesting to have something happen like right off the bat as soon as we get there and unload well i wouldn't say that because every single time we go back in there to get equipment something would still like making sounds from that corner not for me no yeah not when if i would go in if i would go there alone then i wouldn't uh i wouldn't notice anything yeah there were a few times where we'd go in there and still still something was lingering Hmm. okay so before we get any further ahead, before we actually got set up in the room to like with it acted as home base, we had that brief little tour with with Halsey. Brief, yeah. <laughs> we had that extensive tour with uh, uh, with Halsey, and during that tour, we actually did the pass through the torpedo hit area, which took a little bit. Of, it was a little bit extra to rent that place or that part of the ship out because it's under serious renovations and restorations right now. Something that I found really interesting is we do this loop through this torpedo hit area and then we come back out of it. And as soon as we do, numerous people on the team started to state that they felt something was following them. And the one that I found most interesting was the first one who said anything at all. And that was uh, Sam Walker's Mm -hmm. friend who joined us. And he was our resident skeptic for the evening. So for him to like have that looming sense of what the, Something's behind me. I mean, that's... That's not something. Yeah. It always goes for the non-believers first. Well, not always. <laughs> As you would know. Yeah. Oh, boy, would I. <laughs> all right. We get set back up in the main room as headquarters, and then after that, we all kind of break off and go into different groups. I know the walker went with his friends, uh, Sam, Cat, and River. Megan stayed up in the, the main the dining hall on top. And then the rest of us kind of ventured down roughly to where that uh, the the wishing well area was, and I was interested to try something like I went I went in there with the idea in my head that I wanted to create an environment that was going to be welcoming to these sailors at the time, and so I bought a pack of Lucky Strikes. Um, I made sure that Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy from Company B was uh, playing on the the external speaker. Um, I brought a deck of cards. I brought a little bit of bourbon. Don't worry, we didn't you know, get hammered on the ship or anything. But I brought a little bit to offer any of the, the sailors that were there. And as I'm laying all these things out, I also have the, uh, the REM pod set up. And I had multiple audio recorders going. And folks, I want to say I wish so much that as we're discussing this, we're gonna, we would have like little snippets of audio to share with you. Let me explain something. We went at the hottest month of the entire summer, and if we would have shut that ventilation system off, we would have 
we would have cooked like uh, sardines in a can in 150 degree weather. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So lesson learned. This is why we're going back in February to do this again when it'll be cold enough that we can kill all those vents and, and actually have some decent audio. But if I play any of this stuff back for you now, it's not pleasant. I'll, t- I'll tell you that much. But anyway, we're uh, we're all set up at, at this one table in the mess hall, and we're we're a stone's throw away from this wishing well place. We have the rim pod set up. I have the uh, the recorders going. I'm breaking out all of these items, and the last two things that I lay down on the table are my grandfather's military cap and his dog uh, dog tag. And as soon as I laid those down in the center of the table, the rim pod started going off. That got kind of interesting, but it was it was not consistent because we were there for a while but it didn't seem like it was getting like repetitive pings or responses anytime we were asking for them unlike later in the evening which we will get to later in this episode what happened after that i mean after we did the experiment at the the wishing well and was there anything about those sessions that stood out to you not the sessions themselves but the wishing well i i just found to be a lot of fun in general. Just, I mean, Megan brought a ton of pennies <laughs> and kind of passed them out to everyone. And every now and then I'd go over to the well and I'd just like say to myself or say out loud, if there's someone here with me, then help me make it into the bucket at the bottom. Which, to give you a picture, I mean, John already said how many floors it goes down or how many levels, but there's like this tiny bucket way at the bottom (laughs) really hard to make a penny into i mean i tried a few times before like asking for help didn't work out so i finally asked for help and it made it in and i was like okay you know chop that up to whatever no big deal well later in the evening i went back there by myself and i did it again well this time i didn't make nearly a perfect shot it hit every like steel edge on the level like thinking that it would land on another level it's still managed to bounce off everything and still land in the bucket. And I thought that was kind of (laughs) cool. Somebody was giving me a hand. I hope so. Seemed like it. Yeah, that place definitely had some high energy. Um, I'm glad that we returned to it several times over the course of the evening. Like, um, that was... If if there was a hot spot in that place, that was it, at least for that night. And you would think it would be the, the, the torpedo area. Now, speaking of which... Uh, the torpedo area during the time that we were doing this stuff near the wishing well walker was off kind of with with his team over in the torpedo area so let's chime in with him and see what he has to say about that Regarding this particular investigation, Walker, you and I usually function in tandem. Like, any time that we've gone to any of these places, you and I work really well off of each other, and I, I think we've kind of developed this um, knack for just connecting a loop that's going on. Um, so it's been really interesting doing investigations with you, but this is one of the first ones that we kind of, like, broke off. And actually whole group was pretty much scattered throughout the evening. Like, everybody was just kind of bouncing all over. There were so many nooks and crannies to explore in that. But, you know, pretty much from the get-go, I, like, I nestled myself down into the mess hall for a while. But after that, uh, you, Cat, River, and Sam all kind of ventured off in a different direction. So I'm wondering what your experience throughout the evening was, um, aside from the times that we linked up. Yeah, it's um it it was certainly a, a a different feel for the investigation. Um it was just a lot of uh I guess you know, certainly some some of the people that I was with uh, their first time doing anything like this uh on like a semi-professional scale. I guess we can call ourselves professional investigators at this point. Um I, but it feels a little surreal to. Uh, to I'm fair to that. say, as, aspiring. Like we're we're novice, but um, we do take it very seriously. I would say. Well, yes, and we are really good at fi- like finding things. I I love your uh, 
two ends of a two, you know, my, my other end of the tuning fork, you know, trying to, yeah, brother, is that we just kind of tend to gravitate towards the same uh, style of investigation. And we, we, we do work really well with each other. Cause I feel like you're really good at, at, at going in and, and digging around and drumming up the activity. And I feel like I have a knack for uh, capturing it and, and a, a knack for moving around in the moment and trying to figure out what, what, uh, what vessel we need to like record that information. Um, so it was really interesting to kind of lead new people who, who haven't done, you know, truly like scientific level investigation before. Um, and in a place that, that, that wasn't really dark. Uh, cause it is when you go to Waverly, you're like almost like it's, you know, you're, if you're a fish bait, you're, you're going to get some bites. Yeah. Uh, whether yeah. you're going to catch a fish or not, you're definitely going to get some bites and being in that, you know, environment you you certainly are bait and there's certainly stuff kind of reaching out and trying to scare you off or tell you to leave them alone um but this one was almost like they were reaching out to us kind of off the bat i feel um i think that place was really tough to investigate like the logistics of investigating a battleship are not necessarily an easy thing because even with our walkie talkies we were trying to coordinate and figure out where everyone was so that we weren't polluting any noise um Not that it made any difference because the ventilation system and see, this is the lesson of, of going to these places is that I always consider that visit to the ship to kind of be more of a test run because we'd never been there before. And like buildings we have frame of reference for, uh, ships, submarines, stuff like that. No, I don't, I don't have the average schematics in my head. So there's no natural navigation to any of this stuff. No. Yeah. Like standing in a room at Waverly feels like, like, yes, you're at Waverly Hills and yes, you're like in this giant room um, or, or this giant building um, kind of hidden in a hallway. It's um, easy to place yourself. Yeah, yeah. But then you go to like investigating in a pitch black bathroom with no air ventilation, stuffy air and just like sitting in the dark. And like, you literally can't like, even if shadows was right in front of you walking around, you can't see anything. Like you're relying totally on your senses. That was another one of the reasons why I said that um, this this investigation episode that we're talking about is going to be very, very short. Because while we did get some activity, um, something that I haven't really touched on, I think, at the conversation through this point in the episode is uh, it was uncomfortable. Like we went there in the dead of August. It was hotter than Hades. It was... Uh, it was mucky, and the diesel fuel uh, fumes like filled the chambers. It was not pleasant. You just, it was just not a good. It was not a good time. Yeah, and the, um, the table that we got the most activity on, where we were getting all the rim pot activity on, like where you were playing cards and stuff, <laughs> was under like three vents. Yeah, because you were like, "How can we do this better?" And I was like, "Maybe let's not sit directly under the fan and like." <laughs> I know we're in, this is the place, but like, God, everything was so loud. I know. I know. No, it really didn't matter where we sat. Cause, uh, we moved a few tables away and I set it up then, but even then it was still just all encompassing because of, uh, the acoustics of that place. Yeah. Sam did, I think probably have the most, uh, well, one of the two experiences that I think is truly like strange and it almost plays into like, did he hear that or was it like imprint, like what it, did he hear it subconsciously? And it was like the spirit was communicating with him in that way. Cause I don't think any of us heard anything, um, but he heard distinct. I mean, he can tell the exact story, but it, you know what, what it was told to me was um, like a, Hey, like in his ear. And he was like, I think I need to communicate. Cause it seems like they're really like reaching out to me. And that was pretty early on. We were just walking through uh, the, the, the bunk rooms like that were adjacent to the mess hall. Cause we were kind of, we went to the mess hall, y'all set up, and then we were like, all right, let's go. Um, and he heard it, and it came twice. So that was like right after you guys took off then? Okay. It was pretty – I mean, it was at least within five or ten minutes after we left the group. It was it was pretty early on, and he was like – and every time we kind of passed through, it was like that. I, well, uh, it's, I, I love that you bring up Sam. I wish he uh, – like, please uh, re-extend the invitation to, for him to come on and, and share his side of the story. But something that he told us that I found that was really fascinating because, uh, folks, Sam was kind of our, our like, resident skeptic, uh, I guess, uh, for the evening. Um, but an open-minded one, and I love that. I love open-minded skeptics. Uh, it – I mean, as a matter of fact, it's important for us to keep the skeptical side of our brains up so that we can keep ourselves in check. So, like, we're we're happy to 
be called on our BS when it happens, right? Yeah, I feel like I am more of a skeptic now that I do it because, or more skeptical in terms of looking at things because I, you you really do have to like do everything to rule it out. Yeah, yeah. Which makes the ones that you can't rule out really, really interesting. Yeah, it's uh, when you can't stop asking questions is when you truly. That's when you really know. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, but uh, what he said to me that stood out uh, to me was that whenever we did the uh, the tour walkthrough and we walked through the torpedo hit area uh, where it was struck, he, Jill, myself, and I think I think maybe Sonny said the same thing that everybody felt like something was following behind us after we left that tour. Like when we stepped out of that uh, preservation area where they're still like doing the restoration pieces and everybody seemed to to feel like something was like that's when everything kicked off. When we made that loop through the torpedo area, everybody like at least a third of the group was feeling that something was behind them. Yeah, I definitely think that that was a common theme throughout the day was that it was or throughout the night, I should say is either something was following us or something was actively kind of running away from us, but wanted mm-hmm. to like keep us in sight. Like they wanted, they whenever we got too close, it seemed like, or we always saw someone like kind of ducking around or ducking under things or ducking behind things. Like if we did notice shadows moving or if that we were came, getting rim pod activity. That came a little bit later though, right? Well, yeah, but I, I, I think that feeling was kind of a common feeling throughout. Oh yeah, was that it seemed like stuff was kind of like following us around or keeping at a little bit of a distance, but like keeping their eye on us, you know, like wondering what we're doing. Yeah. So you guys were uh, wandering off alone, and um, and Sam had that that moment where he heard that voice in his ear. Uh, what happened after that? Um, we stayed in that area for a little bit, but I do remember uh, thinking that we should go and try to get to the other side of the ship, um, just because. Uh, you know, when we started the investigation, at least we were really trying to kind of spread out and tackle different areas because it, it, it seemed after some early uh, happenings and even more so later on that the larger of a group that we were in, it seems like it kind of like scared the activity away. It's like really when you were either by yourself or in a small group was when um, like things kind of kicked up. If you stayed in an area long enough, you could kind of like like acclimate they would almost acclimate to your smaller group and then kind of should like let the, like let their, let the dogs out a little bit, you know, take the shoes off. <laughs> yeah. So moving forward, like chronologically throughout the night, what happened with you? Um, I mean, for a lot of it, it was, we were kind of exploring and just kind of uh, getting senses of areas. I had taken some notes, um, as to what, as to where I really wanted to spend, uh, extra time, like places I felt on the tour that felt a little weird. Um, and gearing up for spending some time in the torpedo area. Um, one of the main places that I really wanted to sit and hang out for a while was the, um, where they shot like torpedoes and, and guns where like, but where I forget what the room was called, but they had the the actual firing chamber. uh, Yeah. Where they had like the computers they were using with the sonar to, uh, Oh, Oh, that that area was weird. Like the, that was there were really weird. And it, it it also looked like it was straight out of a Terry Gilliam movie, to be honest. Like it It looked (laughs) like the sickest arcade you'd ever been in. There were literal like guns attached to the computers that you're pulling the trigger. And you're like, this was made in 1941. Like I remember, uh, Halsey saying that um, the U.S. military has never had more accurate, uh, like our artillery from a ship than the sonar that they used in World War II. That and this is a room in the middle of the ship; they can't see anything. They're literally responding to like blips on a map that are just it sonar. Is, it's totally insane, yeah. and and like it's all of these guys punching these these buttons like i do have pictures of this and and as this episode posts i will i will send out this whole uh shred of photos uh regarding this but this thing really does look like uh it like anytime you see world war 2 movies and especially anything navally based th- these are the parts of the ships that you never really see it looked completely alien it was ridiculous it 
wood paneling buttons and knobs and yeah lots of like bronze super like shined up <laughs> and, yeah 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 which like compasses everywhere and like little like computers but they're like drawing on paper there's no screen it's like and then just a lot like little clickboards like an operator where you're just moving little things around yep right yeah yeah <laughs> that place was wild and I, I i do feel like if anywhere is going to have activity like that the high pressure moments and the high tents like if like I went into that ship thinking that a lot of the activity was likely residual and that it wasn't necessarily like a conscious spirit. Now I, I do think there are some of those throughout the ship in certain areas, but mm. I think in an area like that, it's really interesting with all those metals and all those stuff where like energy would be absorbed. Um, and it was pretty much all the time that ship was active. Like that area was highly active and like highly charged with tension and, you know, all the battles that they were in and, and I'm sure like being torpedoed and, and what, you know, wondering what's going to happen like that room, I'm sure absorbed a ton of energy. I don't think that we really captured anything in there. Cause I, I, I think a lot of it might've been like audio. I think that like when we do go back and can go it went like when it's not like 90 degrees. Um, yeah, we can kill the vents. Yeah. I think yeah. that the audio that we captured could be really compelling. Cause I do think that some of that stuff, I agree. Uh, and I'm, I'm really, I'm really disappointed that I wasn't able to capture it. Cause I had, even though I had three mics running from different angles and I tried to shield them, I just, I couldn't get over the noise of the vents, but the back and forth EMF meter card playing session that I did was pretty interesting. And I mean, that was just flying by the seat of my pants and, and now I want to develop a system. So the next time we go back, I'm going to repeat the same ritual, if you will, you know, yeah, I think bringing trigger objects, you know, to, to to those things is is important in drumming up the activity. And I do think that um, that's like you were kind of by yourself. Like I, I I don't think there were people at least sitting at there was no one like really sitting at the table with you until we came up and it seemed like we like noticed the activity. Um, but we're I do bringing think, ice cream next time. Oh yeah, for sure. That was a for good them. idea. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I, I, I think that once we can kill the audio, that'll be really interesting. Because we did hear some weird stuff in the torpedo area where there wasn't uh, the ventilation running. We could really like kind of hear things and kind of sit and just listen. Okay, so going back to the fact that you and I were kind of split up for the vast majority of the evening, let's talk about that because... All right, so uh, like walking through chronologically, we, we, did, um, we did the Estes session where I was in the, the mess hall... You guys hung out there for a bit. That's when you ventured off, bounce around for a bit, and then at midnight, or no, we opened it at 11, right? Yeah, it was either 11 to 1 or 12 to 2, but I think 11 to 1 probably sounds right. Yeah. So you guys went there right off the bat. Yeah, I had full intention of staying the whole time. <laughs> and we were going to do um, Estes session, um and then just like try to EVP record and like really use that as like sensory deprivation, like block out all the lights. All the lights were killed in that bathroom mm -hmm. uh, where like the four of them died. And in that tunnel, there was no lights at all. And so it was really interesting. Like that's where you could like put all the cameras down and like set up recorders, just kind of sit and listen. I like this idea. So like do, uh, so next time we go, we do a full blackout audio only session. Yeah, and I mean, we could even, like, do, like, full blackout and just do, like, a spirit box session, you know, just, like, kind of sit there and listen um, and just, like, really kind of, like, get into, like, that zone, you know, like, just black black everything out and just sit and, like, oops, like listen to things moving around and stuff. Yeah. Because that's where we heard the, the, bad, the knee knocker on the, the thing in the doorway. Right. Yeah, yeah. You So, it... Talk about that. Actually, let's let's just talk about your whole experience when you were off there with uh, with the other part of the team. Yeah. So, so you guys went off to the, the torpedo area. Yep. And we you know went through that. There's there's that bunk area, and that is one area that I really felt like some someone was like running around the other bunks, kind of looking at us. Was that specific like bunk area? Like, that place was weird. Um, but you walk in, and there's kind of a, a a little makeshift room set up with maps, and it it all that it has now is like. Uh, educational things on the torpedo like the map of the torpedo where all the ships were they had all these maps that kind of like outlined what happened um, and then you go on the side 
and there's essentially this hallway that I guess runs along like the outside of the ship. Like you're essentially up against the wall. I don't think there's anything except for maybe storage between like the, you know, full port wall of the, the outer wall of the boat or the ship. And, uh, that leads into this bathroom that's just behind like the bunks there. And I, you know, as we told in the, in the story is, I guess three guys in the hallway and one guy in the shower and they all died almost instantly um, from the torpedo hit because it hit directly there. Yeah. Um, and so we sat, once you get, you go down this hallway and you have to step over these big knee knockers this is what they call them. And it's where the porthole um, is high because it, if, if anything ever floods, you can close that door. You have more time to like close the door. So it's a high kind of threshold in every door you go through. Um, yeah which was another reason that that area was so hard to kind of get to because, and, and why, you know, certain people like weren't able to like truly investigate in there because it was, it was not super easy to get around and it was super dark. Um, I think we all banged our knee on, on one of them at, at, at some point you probably got a shinner, um, which is never fun. Uh, but when you got back there, it is, it's like really dark, really quiet. It's the only area of the ship that there isn't, that we're not pumping air through to like air condition so that we can like physically be inside. It really was the only quiet place in the entire, uh, ship because it was in the dead of summer and the, the vents were constantly running. So yeah, it was, it was the sensory deprivation chamber basically as you, you put yeah, it. Yeah. The sensory deprivation chamber where just like four people died, you know, <laughs> easy. Um, but it was super interesting and it was cat river and I at the beginning, I believe. And we were just sitting and we tried to do an Esta session, but it was just, nothing was coming through. And it was, I sat for like 15 minutes and my ears were so sweaty with the headphones on. And it was really crazy because when you're under and you can't hear anything else and then you also can't see anything else, it gets like really trippy when you're just kind of sitting there. Um, so I was like, I can't do this super long without anything going on, or this is going to be a weird time. And so I think cat was walking around the other side. Um, they were walking and, and, and looking around in river and I just kind of sat and we were just recording. We had audio, we had the zoom mic, um, and we had a full spectrum. We had a full spectrum camera, uh, and a record and another recorder. And I think we had an EMF and, a rim pod. But I had the rim pod in the shower where the one guy died and we were just sitting and kind of like waiting for things to happen. And I believe you were in the bunkhouse area, um, recording or something. I, I, I think you, you announced when you moved in there. And so we knew you were in there and you knew we were in the bathroom and we were sitting for probably like maybe 10 minutes. Um, and we hear like what sounds like someone's shin hitting the knee knocker and then someone just groaning like, Oh, like right after it was like, Oh, like I, I knocked my knee on, you know? And I said, I, I laughed at river physically. I looked at him and I said, huh, John hit his leg. He's coming. He's like, John's coming back to see us. And he hit his leg. Like, damn, like mm-hmm. he got him. Um, and then I think maybe like 30 or 45 seconds later, you come down and you were like, Hey, was, was one of you walking in that hallway? And we were like, no, was that not you? And you were like, no, I thought one of y'all was coming out. So I figured that's what I had heard. And that was wild. Like, I think that was one of the only experiences the whole night that we had like an audio thing that we couldn't really explain what, what happened, you know, like it, it was very physical that it was like, Oh, like I made a joke, like, man, the knee knocker got John. He's coming. He's, he's coming to see what's up down here. And then you probably assumed that they had the same thing happened to us and then came looking, yeah. see what was going on. Yeah, I totally thought that that's uh, that's what was going on. So whenever you, uh, whenever like there was that moment when when you and I both realized, they're like, well, it wasn't me, it wasn't you. Oh, yeah, like that's weird. Like, what even was that? <laughs> and I'm not going to make any promises, but there's still the possibility that that might have been uh, captured on audio somewhere because, like, I. There were so many, I'm still going through all the data of this trip and it's, it's going to take me forever. Speaking of which, next time you come over, bring your external hard drive. I'll load you up. Oh yeah. For um, sure. but there's a, there's still a lot of unwashed footage and most of the audio is garbage, but anything that was recorded in that area, it's probably good. 
Yeah. So what happened after that? We all hung out there for a little while longer, and that's when no, that's actually when we tried the strobe experiment. Yeah, that was after right when I we showed did up. That. Yeah, after yeah. we heard the noise. I think after that, once we locked up that area, I know we went outside and took a break because it was so hot, and uh, came back in, and I think we were back in the mess hall, and that was kind of when everything started kicking off with us. That was when I saw the the thing duck behind the mechanical part of that back room. So while we were doing the sessions at the Wishing Well and Walker was in the Torpedo Hit area, uh, Meg was actually up on the top deck experimenting with her like nighttime photography stuff. And she had uh, another interesting experience that was kind of unexpected. So let's chime in with that really quick for a second. got to the ship, I don't know, like 6.30-ish, and got kind of saddled and waited for Halsey. And then um, Jill and I had gone the day before and paid and done the walking tour of the ship. Um, uh, Alejandro and his wife, Candace, were supposed to meet us, but I, they were late. But So Jill and I just did it by ourselves the day before. So when everybody got to the ship and Halsey offered to take you guys on a tour, um, all of you guys went... Uh, and Jill went with you, I think, and I elected to stay up on deck because it was too hot below deck, and I didn't know how long the tour was going to be, and I didn't want to have to, like, bail out halfway through and, like, wander back by myself. Right, yeah. So, excuse me. Um, I think you guys were on the tour for a good hour and a half, um, hour and 45 minutes. It was a while. Like, I figured it would be, like, an hour-ish, and when an hour hit, and I was just like... No, but they're still not back. Yeah. I was like, all right, whatever. So I, uh, I kind of just wandered around the deck. I've figured out a spot to put my GoPro, to do my recording, to do my time lapse or my night lapse photographs. Um, and I had my phone in my pocket playing uh, YouTube playlists of 1940s music really loud. So I wasn't listening on earbuds or anything. It was like ambient noise around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of just ended up like relaxing on the anchor and watching the sky. Uh, it wasn't sunset, but it was like getting to dusk kind of. Um, and then you guys got back up on deck after your tour and we did our group photos near the Mark six guns, the big ones in the middle of the ship. Right. Um, Shout out to Halsey, not only for the tour, but for taking that picture for us. Yeah. He did a great job. Yeah. Halsey's great. We love Halsey. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, and then, um, we went to the... Um, I forget, like, it's like the, the officer's mess they unlocked for us to kind of have like a place to store all of our gear and stuff. Yes. The round tables and everything. And Mm -hmm. it's like right off the deck. You can walk off the deck straight into the officer's mess. Um, and Jill and I started, uh, farting around with the dowsing rods. As soon as we walked in there. yeah, Yeah. And then there was a ghost in the corner. Yeah, because far corner. we had the rim pods and the dowsing rods all pointing into that direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Joe was asking it questions, and I was holding the dowsing rods. I don't. I vaguely remember that happening, but I don't recall anything we asked or any of the answers or anything. Well, it uh, it it stirred up activity that lasted about ten fifteen minutes, and then after that, it just kind of yeah, completely trailed off. Nothing else happened after that, mm-hmm. and so then we all turned our attention back to. Um, yeah, you know, moving deeper into the the bowels of the beast, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, and then um, you, <laughs> the belly of the beast. You and Walker and his friends, whose names escape me because I'm bad at names. Uh, Cat River and Sam. Yes, thank you. Um, went down to the like general mess area, um, and we're setting equipment up. And I believe it was Sunny and me and Jill were up on deck, um, but mostly I remember me and Jill. And we were um, doing mock pinup photographs. Which I thought was, a, whenever you told me that and you, you you started to explain why you were doing that, I'm like, you didn't really have to. I know exactly where you're going with this. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, like that classic military pinup girl thing. Like, yeah, well, to, also, like, if you think about it, if it's a ship full of ghosts, they're all going to be men because it's a Navy ship from World War II. It's a bunch of sailors. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so we get two girls. Kind of cute, in skirts, just 
f***ing around on deck. <laughs> if there are ghosts, they're going to come look at it. That is very true. So we were playing um, big band music through my phone. And Jill was taking pictures with her phone. And, like, I was doing, like, mock pinup poses. And, like, we were looking back at the pictures, like, right after we took them. And uh, it was perfectly lit. My whole body was clear. My face was misty. And it wasn't, like, a motion blur, like, mist. It was, like, there was literally a mist obscuring my face. Or there was, like, a melt, kind of. And Jill has the photos, I think, if you want to see them again. Yeah. We were like, uh, I will do my best to get those out to share before, like, as we release this episode. But that stood out to me. And it, it was more of, like, like a, a dark blob in the center and then a smudge. Yeah. It was it was weird. It was really weird. And yeah. it was like um like I do a lot of photography. I know what a motion blur looks like, especially if you're moving your face in like a long exposure. Yeah, that same has a very here and that was specific look. This was like a mist that was like pulling my face out. Yeah. Like I don't know how to explain it. The, the way that it was blurred is not a way I would have moved my head. No, yeah, no that there's no way in hell that that was a motion blur. Yeah. No, not at all. Um it was actually so obscure, like, I couldn't even chalk it up to it being a smudge on the lens. Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't. Like, it, it was just weird. Yeah, it was really weird. So Jill and I were like, that's that's odd. So we switched places. So Jill started doing pinup poses, and I was taking her picture with her phone. So it was the same phone and the same lighting with the same settings and the same spot on the ship. And her pictures were super dark. Like, you can see shit. Like, you could barely make out an outline of Jill and, like, a vague, like, sh- stuff behind the ship, like, the shape of the anchor. But, like, mine were, like, I don't I don't even know how to describe it. Like, super well lit. Like, it was like we had point lights. Um, and Jill's were just, like, very, very dark. And um, we literally, it was the same phone in the same spot with the same lighting, like, a minute and a half apart. Yeah. So I don't know how that happened. It's it's weird. The, the the best way that I could describe it is that if um, now keep in mind this was taken with digital cameras, but what it looked like is if somebody took your picture with like a, a high definition Polaroid camera, and then as the photo was developing, you smear your finger across your face. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what it looked like. It was really weird. Yeah, it was bizarre. Um, so after that happened, I think we then immediately went down to the mess hall where you guys were. And we're like, look at these f***ing photos. Like, look what just happened. Look at this. Look how weird this is. And then while we were down there, Jill, like, patted me on the arm for something. I was like, why are you so warm? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Am I warm? And she's like, you feel like you're on fire. And I was like, I feel okay. Like, I feel fine. I don't. Am I, like, radiating heat? She's like, yes. Like, you're very warm. Like, it's really weird. She's just, and I. She said it meant something. She said something about it, and I. I honestly can't recall what it was because that was like what five, six months ago at this point. You should text her about it right now. I like, can. Yes, you should. You Let should do it. I'm doing it. Doing it. Doing it and doing well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will uh, play punch in if we need to. Then yeah, absolutely. So, uh, how did the evening progress for you after that? So, we went downstairs to show you the photos we took, and then that's when I was, like, radiating body heat, and Jill was like, this is really weird. Mm. Um, And then I have a heart condition, which anybody that listens regularly probably knows about because I talk about it all the time. Uh, I don't – I can't regulate my body temperature in, in like, high humid humidity situations, and it was very humid and very warm, and there was, like, zero airflow below decks, really. So, like, I could be down there for – 15 20 minutes and then it was just like i I gotta go back up and then um i went back up and jill stayed down with you guys because you guys were doing um an estes session i think or starting an estes session and somebody was playing cards yeah okay so this was the this is the card experiment for me the um whenever we first got there i did a, a a quick estes session in that mess hall near the the wishing well we were, some, we were getting some somewhat interesting responses, but they, they were fleeting and there was a whole lot of external commotion going on, so we couldn't really sink into it. And um, it was also incredibly hard to hear. 
Yeah, it was very, very loud down there. Um, I think the first time I went down with the pictures was right after sunset. And then you guys were going to be down there for a little while longer. So I went back up on deck and was like just watching the sky because I'm a nerd. Mm -hmm. Um, If you follow the Twitter, all the science posts, that's me. Um, So I was just like laying on deck, looking at the sky for, I don't know, probably an hour or two, maybe. Mm -hmm. And that's when you guys went down to the torpedo room and like all the other stuff you were doing below decks that I wasn't involved in. Um, And... It was maybe like a what time did you guys do the torpedoes? Like eleven? That's when Walker and and uh River and Sam and Cat all all went in and I don't know, maybe I'll no, I think Alejandro and uh Candace stayed back in the mess hall. So yeah, I think it was just the four of them in there. Okay. Um after that, so well midnight ish. Or did we pay for two hours? I don't remember. It was between 1230 and 1. Yeah, 11 to 1 we had access to. Okay. Um, I went back down below deck. Well, I'm skipping over. Okay, let me me backtrack. So while you guys were all doing that, I saw a UFO. And I videotaped it on my phone. And I texted it to you. um, And the the reception was sketchy in a giant steel ship. Um, I I never got the... Whatever you sent, I never got... Okay, I think I saved it to my lap, my laptop so I can send it to you. But, yes, um, please. It's, it was like a green light just kind of like hovering over um, Wilmington, like across the bay over downtown. And at first I was like, oh, maybe it's a drone. And then um, it was not a drone <laughs> because it was like I, I've flown drones like, I know there's some military spec drones that go pretty fast and can do some pretty wild, like, adjustments, but this thing was, like, bopping all over the place. So, like, after maybe, I don't know, 30 seconds of watching it, I was like, eh, it's probably not a drone. And that's when I got my phone out and started recording. And then I texted it to you and Jill, probably, and was like, hey, there's a UFO up here. And then yeah, I got the text. I didn't get the video though, yeah, so yeah. definitely resend that to me. Will do. And then um, you came up on deck. I don't know, like thirty minutes later, and we mm-hmm. saw that weird light, and it was like moving funny because like all I saw was a bright ball of light that was moving left to right. And then maybe twenty minutes later, we saw the same thing, and as it came closer, it resolved into a plane. The one I saw never came and resolved into a plane, but the one you saw when you came up didn't really do the same kind of movements, but as it came close, it was getting closer and closer. It finally resolved that like it was a plane coming at us dead straight. So you couldn't see the other lights. You could only see the one on the nose. Yeah. The running lights. Yeah. Yeah. And see, this is where it pays off to actually be a a self skeptic, like question yourself. Like as you're seeing these things, try to make sense of them. Like the, the, the point is to not dive in headfirst into the most fantastical explanation for everything that is what we're hoping for. That's certainly what we're driving towards. But the buildup to that in order to get the really good meaty parts on that end is you have to be extremely self-critical and skeptical about every experience that you have. And I very much am that kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember when we were watching that light, we're both like, what the f***? Oh, and then it resolved into a plan. And I'm like... I can see how that was that, but the thing I saw a minute ago, like before you came up here, was like that point of light drifting very far to the right and yeah, kind of the, bouncing and very far to the left. And, and the video you shared, you showed us was yeah, yeah, no, that was that was very different. Uh-huh. It was just weird. I went back down to the mess, like the general mess instead of the officers' mess, to see what was going on. Um, and you guys were like, "Oh, we're trying to like." get some activity or whatever and um nothing was really happening very much that i recall and i was like well it's a it's a world war ii boat that was in the pacific right and walker's like yeah and i was like do you want me to start yelling in japanese because i lived in japan for a little while so i know a little bit of conversational japanese so i can yell pretty convincingly in japanese um so we did that i did that uh, and i yelled nande desu just like what the hell uh and i'm like running through the mess yelling nande desu and then walker and i and you maybe somebody else saw it too saw a shadow in the room that was next to the mess we were in and we like followed it over there 
So I guess it was after all of these events that we kind of took that uh, that first break, right? Around midnight and just uh, recharged and had a couple of snacks and got away from the diesel fumes, which I got to oh admit, gosh. that was a major hindrance on this investigation. Is, we all love smelling like diesel. Oh, yeah. We absolutely adore it. Actually, <laughs> we do not. We uh, particularly loathe it, but it... Uh, it was definitely triggering headaches for a lot of us and just made it difficult to breathe. So after the uh, the midnight break, everybody kind of slowly moseyed their way back on to the ship. And it's around then that we had the first, like, visual encounter of the evening, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when we walked in after that break, you could just feel... The place just felt completely different. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just much more eerie than it had felt before. Before it was just, I don't know, walking around, checking things out, nothing like major, but something shifted. It definitely felt like something was awake. Yeah. That we were were not alone. Um, And that's when we had the uh, the first encounter with the the shadow um, in the extension of the mess hall area. Yeah. So we've heard from both Walker and Meg make reference to the moving shadow that we saw. This is definitely the moment where things shifted into high gear for several hours, and that's where we're going to pick it back up on the next episode. Join us in two weeks for the conclusion of our investigation of the battleship, or get it a week earlier by subscribing to our Patreon. I'd like to thank Sonny, Walker, and Meg for sharing their points of view on this investigation. I was hoping to get a few more voices involved on this series, but the time crunch of the 9 to 5 life got the better of me, unfortunately. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, everywhere as XVPlanus, and you can follow my personal misadventures and music projects at Folds and Floods on those same platforms. Links for both are in the show notes. If you like what we do here, head on over to iTunes or Spotify to rate and review us, and tell your friends about us. Tell your families about us. Hell, yell at random people at the library about us. Well, maybe not that one. You'll probably get in trouble. You can support us by going to www.patreon.com slash xvplanis and subscribing to gain access to our exclusive content, including the Patreon-only series Transmissions from the Void, where I interview people from all walks of life about their paranormal experiences. Be sure to check out all of the great shows on the Green Mushroom Podcast Network, like Grognostics, Ad Hoc History, Unearthing Paranormalcy, and so many more. You can find them by going to www.tgmpodcastnetwork.com. The show is produced in Durham, North Carolina, and is written, edited, and scored by yours truly. Music from the show can be found on my Bandcamp page for Folds and Floods, or anywhere you stream your music. Our new logo was created by Sonny Sulak and Rencher Lan, and our social media is managed by Megan Winning. No part of this show or its music may be reproduced without consent. Copyright Folds and Floods Productions. Once again, I am your host, Flood, and this has been XV Planets. Thank you for being a part of the journey so far. I'll see you in the between. In abumbratio, in fluctus, subveil.